0: Man, what an episode we got coming for you guys today. So I'm going to ask you guys to buckle up. Buckle up and, and and take note. We got a former NFL linebacker joining the show. Former Boise State linebacker as well. And we're going to dive deep into some awesome discussions. It's not just about his athletic journey, but we're going to be sp- speaking about his spiritual journey. You know, his faith in Jesus Christ. And we'll talk about, you know, his testimony and, and how that's played a role in his life. Uh, during his athletic career and especially after his athletic career he's now a barber at novelty salon which is going to be his his business that he's running and we're going to be talking about the business aspect of his life this phase of his life now that he's in that and and uh talking about what like the parallels between sports and business and what he's taken into his business world so so many amazing golden nuggets from this interview that i really hope you guys pay attention to and um, before we get started into that, I just want to remind everybody that the episode is being brought to you by athlete narrative. Uh, I am an ambassador of athlete narrative and athlete narrative. If you've listened to the other podcasts is a platform for athletes to build their brand. So if you want to leverage your platform to potentially help you with your name, image and likeness and do it for a relatively low cost of a hundred dollars per month, which is extremely low. Check out the link in the description. You'll get 10% off your monthly subscription. So it'll be $90 a month. And, uh, you can go through me to get that. So it's being brought to you by athlete narrative. I highly encourage athletes that are looking to build their social media platforms and build their brand, uh, to take a look at it and consider that as well, man, I'm just excited to get the the show started. I can't even talk about it anymore. I want you guys to, to strap strap up. Cause this one's going to be a good one, Uh very personal conversation. And, uh, man, the emotions, the feelings in this one i think you're gonna feel it you're gonna feel it because i did um and i'm doing this recording of the introduction after i just completed the interview and i can still feel it so i know you guys are gonna feel it so awesome this man is incredible uh, and i'm so grateful for him joining the podcast so get ready guys another great one coming your way this is the game time guru so what time is
1: it Game Time
0: this is the game time guru podcast where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. My name is Shane Larson, host of the show. Uh, I just want to say thanks to everybody. We're now into 2024. As you guys heard in the introduction, got another great guest coming your way today. Uh, But man, I just have to say thank you to everybody from all the sponsors that we've shouted out. Anyone who's supported me with a follow of the show, who's shared something of the show, anyone who's joined the show. I mean, we're seven years running now and going into year number eight. And uh, I mean, the show has grown. It's worldwide and I really appreciate everybody who's who's tapped in to the show. So again, if this is your first time listening, welcome aboard, I'm glad to have you here. Um, and I mean, if, if maybe you're just like, hey, I wanna check this out because I know I know the guest that's on the show, I kinda wanna hear his story. Awesome, I'm glad you're here, I'm happy to have you here. Even if you've never heard any other episodes, I would just say, hey, consider following me on social media or consider giving a follow to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube, um, if you wanna hear other interviews in the future as well. So. With that being said, uh, I am so honored to bring on our guest today. I mean, as a as a Boise State guy myself, I mean, I graduated from Boise State, um, but I've been around Boise State football uh, my whole entire life, born and raised in the Treasure Valley. This one's a special one for me. Uh, the man played at Boise State, man played in the NFL, and now he's got some business ventures we're going to be chatting about as well. So we're going to break it all the way down with him today. It's Kamale Correa. Kamale, thanks for joining the show, man.
1: Absolutely, man. I appreciate you guys having me. Um excited to share whatever the people want to hear. So I appreciate Heck it.
0: Yeah. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, for those who do know who you are, they're going to know, like, they're going to probably be waiting, like, oh, I want to hear some some of his cool stories in college and the NFL and stuff. But I want to actually unbox a little bit before that and kind of get to know you as an athlete uh, in your younger days, Kamala. Can you tell us a little bit more about, like, your, um, I guess, before you got to the college world? What was football like for you and what were athletics like for you? Were you starting at a young age competing in sports? Uh, what, like, was football like your only sport? Just talk to us about at what age did you really get into athletics?
1: <clears throat> um, Yeah, no, for sure, man. It's a, a crazy long history, man. You just made me reflect on just like life in a matter of seconds, you know. And, you know, thinking back, man, I grew up with four older brothers, I was the youngest, right? so four dudes, heavy testosterone in the house, one mom, you know we, we just always at ballparks, always doing sports. It was a continuous thing of competition, whether we're outside, whether in the house. I mean, it's like who can who can throw away the trash faster. who can wash the sinks faster right who who can wash the toilets faster it was like always a competition so i just grew up around heavy heavy competition huge family a lot of cousins a lot of males right so i was always around environments of just compete 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 it was just second nature for me i i grew up playing i mean pretty much everything baseball football basketball soccer i even swam Right. I did a whole bunch of stuff. My dad was a big believer in uh, the more you could do. And I, at first I was like, dude, this man's crazy. We're just we're just running amuck over here. And it actually helped me out a lot. You know, soccer did things for me. Basketball did things for me. Right. And I kind of developed into a kid that had bad attitude i had a really really bad attitude as a kid i would always get get scoldings and what we call back home in hawaii we call them lickings. you know i'm not sure yeah
0: something you know, we don't know much about these days but yeah go ahead
1: <laughs> yeah you know and uh yeah i just had a really bad attitude as a kid uh so there was like certain sports that i just didn't really mesh well and uh with baseball being one of them i was uh I'm not going to toot my horn, but, you know, my family and friends, they all said I was a pretty, pretty good player of baseball. Um, I did my thing, but I had a really bad attitude. So in my head, I was like, man, this is not a good, good route for me because, right, you walk up to play, you strike out, you got to wait, what, two, three innings to come up and have another opportunity yeah well, and that you know that frustration just like really got to me as a kid and I, I just kind of leaned like really heavily on football my older brothers did it I had two brothers uh that actually played football at the University of Hawaii um excuse me they uh you know they kind of set the tone for me early on and I just really fell in love with the game of football because I was able to get right back at it. If you made a mistake or if you were upset or like me as a kid, I had a really bad attitude. I was able to take it out instantly and like recover from it faster than waiting. Right. Or in all these other sports, I just felt like football was was I could beat somebody up and not get in trouble for it. And that just really helped me take out my anger and my aggression as a kid. And I just kind of like stuck to it, you know, a lot of childhood trauma, a lot of things that happened in my life personally that I just always felt like people didn't understand me and who I was as a person, who I was as an individual. And there was no better way than lining up across somebody and taking their head off. That just made me have instant gratification so
0: yo that's that's awesome though man to hear just everyone's journey is different to the, like the sport that they actually get into and now you kind of see like how you gravitated towards football and the reason why um i'm sure there's a lot of young athletes that probably relate to you more than we probably think in regards to like what you just said about baseball how it takes so long to get back to the to the plate and like you can't really get yours again until that time comes and know they always say next play mentality well that next play might be a little bit uh time before you get to have a chance so that's actually a really interesting point i'm sure once someone hears that on this episode they're gonna be like yeah yeah he's right like that pisses me off too like yeah that's actually a really good point man you know growing up in hawaii what uh what was it like over there i mean i i've got friends and um you know extended family members that live in hawaii and the culture is a little bit different over there but um it's kind of interesting um, hearing their stories about like sports in Hawaii, especially with like football and so forth, um, you guys are tough out there. You're 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 like bred differently, man. You guys are tough guys out there. So it was is that? Did you notice anything, or is that just kind of a way of life out there that it, you were just tougher than the rest of the generation around here? I guess.
1: Well, it's crazy, man. Like I had mentioned earlier, you know, my family is a really big family. My dad had had fourteen brothers and sisters. And they all obviously had their kids and kids, and we just, Whoa. so many people. And we're not small people, right? <laughs> yeah, and we just grew up around like that competition factor, you know, like I had mentioned earlier. And it's just very interesting how how we grow up in Hawaii. Shout out to my family down in Kuleo'o just want to give them a shout out. That's where I'm born and raised. Um, You know, I was born and raised in uh, this valley that was like really cultivated around culture, Ohana, which is our family. Um, You know, we're very close and tight knit, all our family parties, everyone would chip in, get together, right? It's not like a small event. Like everything we did was just like big, like everything we did was meaningful. It was, had purpose. There wasn't just like, we just didn't do things just to do them. Right. And I think that kind of cultivated like meaning purpose, um, drive, motivation, family, kind of everything that kids nowadays, or people that find a a niche that they're into kind of find their why. Right. And like why they do something or why they, like sports or podcasting or a sports anchor, whatever they, their thing is that they're into, but they always have a why behind it. And for me, the why started young. I had a lot of cousins and brothers that I looked up to at a young age that was very, very athletic. I still ask myself this question to this day and like how, how did this little boy from Hawaii who grew up with, you know, some craziness in his life that was like handpicked to be chosen to make it to the NFL. You know, I am a believer in Christ and I feel like faith is a big thing in my life. So still to this day, I still like, why me? Right. Like why, why this little boy from Hawaii in a small little valley down in Coolio or Hawaii was chosen to be taken to the extreme of the extreme, the, the premier Heights, right? Professional athlete. That's what you aim for when you're playing, playing toss back and forth with the cousins in the yard and you're playing tackle football with them. And you're just, you know, and you're barefoot, man. And see, that was one really cool thing about growing up in Hawaii. A lot of people don't know, man, the, you know, the weather's nice year round, right? Right. Never had to worry about snow rain much. Just we're barefoot in the, in the streets in the yard no shirts right we're in tank top board shorts like man that's how we grew up playing football you know bro we gathered like 20 25 of us cousins and we would just go up to the park and just go play tackle football and that was just kind of where it all started man we just beat up on each other stick each other and then we would run home and we would all eat dinner together right and you know, just kind of cultivating, like, that team-like atmosphere at a at a super young age. And I think that's just kind of how it all kind of cultivated and started.
0: Yo, that's so cool, man. That's so cool. I love the family aspect of it and how, like, tight-knit you guys are. That aspect of it, too, it builds toughness. The fact that, like, that was just a way of life where you guys go barefoot, shorts, and a tank top, go play tackle football. Beat the crap out of each other. Go home and eat. And, then, like, you're fine. Like, that's just – it's a different – toughness that um i think is important to understand because that probably played a role without you even realizing it in in your football journey as you got later on into to your your football journey um there it's funny we always talk about uh i was talking to people i'm a buckeyes fan as well as a State fan. i know it's weird but uh, i got a lot of people that i chat with from uh ohio state and we were talking when i went out there for a notre dame game and they were talking about manti teo right from notre dame back in the day and so we were we were at the game and the Notre Dame fans were talking about Manti and they were talking about the Hawaiian, you know, football players. And I'm like, listen, you of you BYU Boise state's got, I'm like, I mean, it's a different breed, man. They're tough. And we were chatting about it and now it makes sense even more. Like they they were like back out West, man, they've got a lot of those guys. I'm like, yeah. And I hope that they hear this (laughs) because they'll see why, like, yeah, this is what goes on uh, out out there. This is why they're, they're different. It's awesome. You know, well, sure. Kamala, you mentioned some. You said uh you know, you're a believer in Christ. I too am a believer in Christ. And I uh and I want to ask you a question, if you don't mind. I want to see like how has your relationship with Christ, being a Christian, a believer, helped you in your not only your your life, but as an athlete? Cause I think sometimes young athletes, um, they're believers in Christ, but maybe they don't even realize uh, the role that he plays in their athletic journey. Maybe they think that he doesn't care. Uh, about their athletic journey and what they're doing in sports. But I actually believe he does. I believe that he's provided people with talents and abilities and some take advantage of those. And I just wanted to know if you have anything to say in regards to like maybe how you feel like being a Christian athlete has helped you in your journey.
1: Man, I love this question. Like I, I, I just love talking about this kind of stuff now, um, you know, just kind of where I'm at in my life. Like now at this present moment, I – I like somewhat kind of grew up around the word. I wasn't really big into it. Just kind of just a kid, man. I was a kid kind of forming my own opinions, hanging around crowds, kind of, you know, going through life and fast forward to getting to college. I was not the best example. I was not a follower of Christ as I am now. I was I was a bad dude, man, did some bad things, sinned a lot, man. But I say this so like openly and honestly because of the conviction that the Lord has bestowed in my heart, bestowed in my mind and just like completely transformed and um, into a different human. Um, And with that being said, I kind of like always had a grasp of like who God was to me or who Christ was. You know, I I, I would go into games, you know, in college and you know, it's like the same. It's it's like so hard for me to say that, like, it's very cliche because we all still believe. Right. Like we would go into, say, a college game. Right. Routine was the night before you would have chapel as a team. Uh-huh. Whole team gets together, got a pastor. Everyone kind of, you know, whooped you, do praise God. Thank you. We love you. I hope I do good in my game tomorrow. Right. Then you go to your game, you get in the locker room, you get the jitters, team gets together. You all kind of say the team prayer. You say your private prayer. Right. You go to your game. And then once the game is done, right, boom, we got our victory. And then you'll catch me getting ready, heading to the liquor store, getting a bottle and getting ready to go out downtown and not be the person who God has really called me to be just because I got my award and my accolades on the field. I was not doing that outside of the field right but I had just like shadowed that for so long in my life where I just kind of created this like false narrative of who Christ really is and I just kind of lived that throughout my whole sports career in general just kind of used God as like you bless me with these gifts thank you but as soon as I'm done with this I'm gonna go do my own thing yeah Right, and then fast forward to you know, I get to the NFL, I did a couple years, all good, it's cool. Ended up going through you know, some personal stuff, got traded twice, I became a dad, husband. Right, went through some personal stuff, you know, I got divorced, I made some horrible decisions as a person. And i say this so openly and honestly because it's like dude i love these kind of conversations man because it gives me an opportunity to to show people what christ has really done for me in my life and uh yeah man i made it to the pinnacle right and make all this money fame married kid right think you got it all figured out man and like boom taken from you man a matter of seconds so you know fast forward i lost my family i lost Football, you know, I stepped away um, from football. I was just very lost and confused in life. Um, I thought I knew who Christ was, right? I was like, why are you doing this to me? I thought we had it all figured out. We've made it to the NFL, married kid, nice house, cars, money, all these things in life that we aim for as a kid, right? And uh, you get there and boom, it's gone you know my selfish nature my selfish behavior my abusing of who God in Christ really is in my life just for my self-gratification and my glory and I I lost everything man and I had no other direction but to go was back to Christ because he'll never leave us nor forsake us and I went back and just kind of really dived in fast forward these past couple years man and uh just kind of really started understanding who Christ really is, no matter who we are as people, what we have accolades, money, cars, fame. It does not matter, man. It matters about our personal relationship and our heart that cultivates with our creator and just very meaningful, very passionate about this kind of stuff now. And um, I'm, I'm honestly super glad that you asked this question, because I, I could sit here and talk for 10 hours about this because I just really genuinely care about this kind of stuff now. And, uh, I really hope this this wakes these, you know, these various confused young minds out here that we think we're we're chasing after this gratification of being famous and making money, and it's like we lose so much sight of us as people and as beings and whose God has truly called us to be, and that's to love and to serve people and to help people and to like live with a pure heart and to do the right thing and a lot of these times in sports you know it's sad but you know the narrative now around sports with the whole money the nil the collegiate level nfl right all these things you just see so many distractions man the girls the women the booze the drugs right the parting the so many distractions that like lead us away from like dude god's giving you this platform and you're throwing it away dude because you care about yourself your prideful eagle you're such a selfish being and like having it all taken from me man like really rerooted me reshaped me kind of shifted my foundation so i appreciate you asking that man i i just really love sharing about that kind of stuff
0: absolutely man i, I appreciate you opening up about that i just think it's a, a really good conversation to have for I know personally a ton of um, high school level athletes around here in the treasure Valley of Idaho who are, you know, Christian athletes. And I've had conversations with some of them because they've asked me and uh, you know, some kids, I think um, they're almost scared to fully dive in because they almost feel like it might make them weak in their sport. I know that sounds crazy, but I have had that conversation with people. They're like, well, like, I don't know if Christ wants me to be in, in your conversation with football, right? I don't think He wants me to be taking people's heads off and blah blah blah. Like, and and we have those conversations, and and I think this will be very helpful for them. So, um, one thing I would just ask on a follow up on that, not to you know, I don't want to you know make you have to answer stuff, but if if you're okay with it, like if you could go back in time or maybe just share something to those athletes that might be in the same position as you were, you know, you believed, but maybe. Hindsight, you might have been taking advantage of some of the gifts that he was given without like potentially, you know, like living up to who he really wanted you to be. If 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 an athlete's in college right now or about to be and they might be doing something similar, um, do you have anything, any advice you might give them in regards to that if they, you know, knowing what you know now, looking back that you could provide to them?
1: Absolutely, man. It's like, you know, the hindsight's 2020, 20, right? It's like, bro, you right. wish you could go back and know what you know now and install that. your past life and it's like that's the reality of life it's like but that's also the journey right and that's the beautiful thing about like where we are at now and like what makes us us like why we are who we are right and it's like going through those journeys and those hurdles and those hiccups like it's all going to cultivate and bring goodness out of it right there's there's nothing that's good that's wasted man he uses everything for the goodness of his glory. Right. But man, it's, it's like very hard to say, right. Because every athlete comes from a different background, right? Some people come from the suburbs. Some people come from the projects. Some people come from the country. Some people come from foreign lands. And it's like, it's crazy. Cause when you look at sport in general, like you cultivate a team and an environment of, Specific individuals that are attracted to the same mindset and the same goal and cohesiveness, right? No matter where you come from. And I think like that embodies, right, the body of Christ. We are all childs of God, no matter where you're from, foreign, domestic, black, white, Chinese. It it doesn't matter. We're all like-minded individuals that are attracted to a higher power that is after something of pure glory and pure gratification. And to say that to an athlete that's going through the same things or the struggles, the hiccups, dude, I just say like, dude, I just honestly encourage people to just reflect, man. Like we get so distracted and caught up, right? The transfer portal, the money, the NILs, the women, the fame, being on the jumbotron, I'm the guy in the building, I got the posters, I got the followers, right? All it, Dude, it's distractions, bro. It's, I mean, it's all good, right? But it matters like how we steward it, man. It's like, how are we going to use these things, right? How are we going to use our followers? Like, are we going to influence these children to do bad things and sell money, do drugs and abuse women? Are we going to have a positive platform with these followers, right? It's like, it's all about The approach and I feel like with all these all these distractions that we have nowadays, especially for these younger kids is like, dude, sit back, man, like reflect, like talk to those around you, like call mom and dad again, bro. Like you're not too cool for that, bro. Like tap into the cousins, you know, like tap into the people that you used to play backyard ball with. Because that's the people that like actually care about you, bro. Like, tap into those people because that's going to make you sit back and reflect on your why. Like, why are you even doing Like, what are you actually chasing, bro? Like, are we chasing the money, the fame, the glory, or are we chasing the pursuit of, like, being so present, like being where your feet at, respecting the janitors in your building, respecting your coaches, your trainers, right? You're not walking in and you're telling your trainers to, Yo, hurry up, take me up because I'm bro, I got a hundred followers and I'm making a million dollars in my NIL. Like, bro, nobody cares about that, bro. <laughs> so bro, true, man. Right? It's like, bro, what they care about is how you're gonna talk to me, how you're gonna approach me with respect, man. Like, it doesn't matter what you got, bro. It's like how you treat people is so much more important. It goes like so much further than what people think. And it's like for me. This is just a personal reflection as I, I always look back and say, yeah, dude, I wasn't the best dude in college. I, I I made a lot of stupid mistakes, but one thing that I can genuinely always look back and say that I've always treated everyone that was around me with kindness and respect, whether it's from the equipment um, room, training staff, coaches, my teammates, I mean, if you look around and ask people, it's like, I can guarantee you, sorry, I got to sneeze.
0: <laughs>
1: <sighs> Excuse flashy, me. Flashy. It's like uh, a lot of people probably wouldn't say negative things about me because how I was instilled in, again, how we talked about how I grew up in Hawaii, that family environment of respecting your aunties and uncles loving your parents right to that was always instilled in me and I never lost sight of that but for these younger generations you know for the kids who did grow up in the projects for the kids who didn't have a mom and dad right for those who had a hard upbringing dude you got to respect people it doesn't matter bro like Respect your trainers, your coaches, your your teammates, because when all this money and fame and is done and your career is done, bro, you're going to look back and say, who's who's still around me for me? And it's like even everything that I've went through, man, I still reside here in um, in Boise. I still connect with former teammates. I still get together with them. We still get our kids together right it's way bigger than who I was we don't sit there and compare houses or cars we just yo how's the kids how's the wife is everything good hey bro how can I help you hey man my daughter's having a birthday party man would love for you guys to come over right it's just so much more beyond that that it's like don't lose sight of the humane aspect of what sport really is about
0: man I absolutely love that. And I want everyone who listens to this, especially the athletes that I've coached, um, to rewind that and like, take note if you missed anything and just like kind of see that is such a huge, huge aspect. Um, the respect factor from you and your family and the culture that you were from. Yeah. That was instilled with, from a young age, probably when you were there. And, but I love that you mentioned, like, even if you didn't grow up with that, um blessing of having the family and a strong family figure around take note of what kamala just said right now and use that you don't have an excuse anymore like now you know from what he said i love watching the athletes that like it it sticks out to me you know when i was coaching my first year in basketball and these kids were 16 years old and one of the kids every single practice i wasn't expecting it but every single practice i noticed it from the day one he came up and shook my hand and said thank you coach even if like that practice, he had a bad practice and I was yelling at him all and stuff. He always shook my hand and said, thank you. And so because of that, four years later, my son, who's now seven, my oldest son is seven. I, I tell him now that he's playing basketball, even if it's YMCA basketball, before we leave every practice, you are to shake your coach's hand. And you tell him thank you for the time they put in. And I, and I appreciate you sharing that because that was something that stood out to me that I wasn't practicing myself but it was an athlete that I was coaching that did it. So now I'm trying to pass it on to my son to do the same thing. It's such a, people will remember that and they'll remember the the bad things too. They'll remember the bad things too. So you need to be able to reflect and be respectful. I love that, man. Thank you. And uh, as we, as we look at your athletic career, Kamalay, and we look at the Boise state time, you were at Boise state during a, a unique time. Um, it was, it was unique. They were coming off of, you know, the, the quote unquote glory days. Like it was like with the Kellen Moore era and and they were still trying to ride high on the wave. And you know, the, they were trying to figure out what, you know, t- they're trying to keep playing at a high level. So there were some st- still some really high times and some, you know, no, I wouldn't say they were low times. They were just not up to the expectations that they had like three or four years prior. But I want to know, like in regards to that, what was your favorite memory as an athlete at Boise state? Do you have a favorite memory? Was it a game? Was it an experience at practice or anything of that nature that you could share with us?
1: Man, it's so hard to just pick one.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) But
1: um, so many great memories, man. So many great times. Uh, Super blessed and fortunate to have came to this university, met the people I've met. um, All for a reason, man. And I truly believe that. Um, But if I could sit back and really account for like... One Boise State memory, man. I would say my sophomore year, I believe, we played Washington um, here at home when that was Coach Pete's first year at UW, right? The coach who recruited me, right? Kind of a long story on that. But I'll never forget, man, because Coach Pete recruited me stand-up guy, have the utmost respect for Coach Pete. I mean, what one of the greatest human beings I've been around. I'm not even going to say coach because he was just an outstanding human. Um, he impacted my life in ways more than I could even put in words. And we had played UW that first year, right? And that was a very stacked team, right? Like that was their start of their dynasty, right? I mean – the Jake Browning, right? The Miles Gaskins, right? The, I mean, they had studs who then went on in the next two years and made it to what the college football playoffs, right? Yeah. But that game was so impactful for me because that wasn't only the coach that had um, recruited me and gave me an opportunity, but. I actually still have this picture of me, super blessed that somebody actually caught it on camera. The game was done. We ended up winning the game. Coach P was in the middle saying his highs and buys to everybody after the game. And, you know, a lot of people wanted to come and see him, but I'll never forget he, he had given me a hug and I had a pretty good game. I'm not gonna say my stats, but I did pretty well. He had given me a hug and he had, he had whispered in my ear. He had said something along the lines of, I always knew you were gonna be an incredible player. Keep it up. Very, very proud of you young man. I can't wait to watch you on Sundays. And, like, that stuck with me for the rest of that season. And if people look back, like, that sophomore season was probably my breakout year. I had a really, really solid year. That kind of put my own name on my map. And, like, that game was, like, the setting tone for that season for me. Just, like, hearing that from Coach Pete and, like, that was one of my fondest memories that I don't even share with people to this day because a lot of people don't ask. I don't just, like – tell people about that right, right? But that memory was probably one of my best memories. Fast forward to last year, when Coach Avalos was actually in the building, this is just a little side story about how awesome of a guy Coach Peterson really is. I actually went back into the building and I ran into Coach Pete and he was just having a conversation with someone. I see him from across the hallway. I was like, what's up, old man? And he called me over and coach Pete had remembered my home visit where I lived. He remembered my mom's name. He remembered where she worked. He remembered about her knee issue. And just in general, man, as I Coach Pete, thank you for being so much more than just a coach. You actually cared. You were genuine and you were present at every moment that you had with your players. And it showed to me. And like having somebody like that, man, is like that's memories that I yeah. Like Shout out
0: Coach Pete, man. I I appreciate you sharing that story. I have heard so many awesome things from players, but I was just a fan. I was at that game as a fan, by the way. I was at I was in the south end zone, second row. That was where my season tickets used to be back in the day. But um I actually got to listen to Coach Pete at the athletic leadership conference at Boise State this last, I think it was June. And I was in there um, with a bunch of other coaches and athletic directors and stuff. And we were just, you know, go through a conference and he was a keynote speaker. And even just being in front of him for like 45 minutes to an hour, listening to him talk. I mean, I took more out of that than I probably did through all my years of college. I, I'm i not even joking either. People say, oh, no, no, you didn't. No, I promise you I did. I took more useful imp- like, if, information that I can implement into my actual career. And that 60-minute keynote speech from Coach Pete it was more impactful to me than like, four-year degree i'm not even joking and it wasn't thirty thousand dollars either so anyway um i i can imagine being able to play for him i'm sure there's some like tough i mean every coach has like you get to see them in their good and their bad days too but like sure. i can't even imagine how impactful he and that's so cool to hear that story you know commonly I, I am curious because you had the i mean you were recruited by coach pete you're at Boise state during that era of like, I mean, there was a coaching change and the coaching personalities between Pete and Harsin, um, They're different, they're different personalities, different coaching styles. Um, and then, you know, it's just different philosophies and so forth, but it doesn't necessarily mean one's terrible. One's not, it's just, it's some just fit differently with other people. So I, I am curious because you are one of the few who get to say that you had that opportunity. Um, and I'm curious how you went about, adjusting to a new coaching staff and a new and being able to compete at a high level still, even though that probably was kind of a tough change for you, because um, that's a lot of the things. That, that's one of the things that like sports can teach us is like authority and learning how to take, you know, instructions from a new boss and a new leader and respect a new leader and, and do the job that you're supposed to do anyway. And so I'm just curious if you had any like insight on how that was for you. How did you go about adjusting to the coaching changes?
1: Well, to be 100% transparent with you, I, w- I, w- I was young at the time, right? I mean, when I was 19 years old, first year of college, sitting back, I was like, Coach Pete, like, you sold me this dream, dude. Like, come to Boise State. We're going to cultivate you. Okay, gee, how to be a great human, not just player. And I was young, man. My mind was, like, just, like, in a very childlike state, you know, like, seeing him as my father and, like, he's leaving me, yeah, you know? yeah. like, you know, I kind of had to separate that and be like, dude, he's he's my coach. You know, it's like, hey, he's he's moving on for an opportunity. And at first I was like, dude, I'm going to transfer. I'm I'm over this. I'm out of here. And I just kind of like em- embrace the suck, dude. I, I remember going back before we had played Oregon State in our bowl game. And I'm in the dorm rooms with my whole freshman class. Just like, dude, like, everyone's, right, sitting there like, bro, what are we going to do? Like, oh, are you going to leave? Oh, are you going to stay, right? The whole just, man, it's so childish, man, looking back, you know, because the transfer portal wasn't a thing back then. Right. It was a whole different, like, step of process you had to take. You had to get things approved, signed off. To, like, bro, you couldn't transfer into the same conference. You had to, like, go to JC before you could play again. Like, so many rules, right? Right. And I was looking back, I'm like, dude, like, what's the best thing for me? And that w- was the best thing for me was to stay, like, to figure out why I chose Boise in the first place. Not only for Pete, it was like, this is an opportunity, dude, to set the tone for my family to be the first in my generation to make it to the NFL of my family, right? To, like, going back to my why, Right. Those backyard days of playing hit stick with the cousins in the yard. Like. What's my why, bro? So that coaching change of Harson was just like I was just like so rock out dialed in. I was just like, I am going to step on this field and every time I'm out here, I'm going to give my absolute best and I'm going to let other people dictate their level of where I'm at because I know where my level's at and my threshold, and I'll just see if other people can see it. And that's when I just put my best foot forward. Every single day I stepped out there, whether it's the weight room, running decks on the field did not matter. And I just kind of let the work speak for itself. And it did. The coaches started realizing it. The scouts started realizing it and the rest was history. And I just believed in myself and like a little side note, man, like, you know, this transfer portal and this whole NIL deal, I mean, like, you know, I'm sure we can sit here and talk on it for five hours, but my like short little dissertation on this man is like when times get hard, the grass is not always greener on the other side. Like It's just a human nature to think like, oh, it sucks here. So it has to be better here. And I don't know everyone's situation. Everyone's situation is different, man. Oh, my coach doesn't like me or I'm not playing or. At the end of the day, it's like when you sit back and self-reflect how I said earlier. Yeah. The work is going to speak for itself, man. You can sit there and complain about, oh, he's making this at that school and I'm making like, dude, bet on yourself, bro like self-reflect, look at every situation and say, am I genuinely putting my best foot forward every single day that I step out onto this field? Am I genuinely putting my best forward, my best foot forward in the classroom? Am I putting my best foot forward in the training room? And if you can like literally check all those boxes and then still have issues, then I would say make an attempt at, having a new environment, but first like self-reflect before you just like quit your teammates, your locker room, where you started and just like thinking everything's better on the other side. It's like we lose sight of the work, man. Like, dude, you got to put in the work, bro. It's not just like I get a better NIL deal because I was a five star out of high school. Like no one cares, bro. To be Point blank, period. That's my honest opinion, right? This kid, Malachi Nelson. I don't know the kid. Not going to speak on him. I'm not running with the hype, bro. I'm I'm not. Because one reason I say that, because here at Boise State, man, it's like everything's earned, bro. There was walk-ons at Boise State that outbeated three four-star kids. There was kids from Council Idaho, Matt Paradis, a prime example, who came in as a walk-on defense tackle, right? It's like Boise State is built different. It does not matter where you come from. It does not matter who you are. It matters about who you are in that building and how you treat people and how you cultivate an environment in a locker room that have a supportive backing with you, right? And, 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 I, and I say that with complete passion because I hope this kid Malachi comes in and earns the respect of his teammates and they ball out. And, dude, I don't know the kid. I have nothing against this kid. All I'm saying is a culture here at Boise State is different. And it's not like all these other transfer portal kids and schools and offering millions of dollars. We don't have that here. We have blue-collar kids that grind and we have a culture and we have a city that is behind this team that care and – that's what you get, man. We're blue-collar Corn Fred dudes that just love to smack people upside down, you know? So that was my little small dissertation on that, man.
0: I love that. I would uh, second that. I mean, I think it's a great opportunity for some athletes to get paid, but the transfer portal, I mean, you got to be very cautious with some stuff. And I've talked to a lot of coaches over the last seven years, especially the last two years, as things have been, you know, with the NIL and transfer portal going crazy. And there are so many athletes that aren't educated well enough that they do exactly what you just said, Kamale. They'll go into the transfer portal along with 1,000 to 9,000-plus athletes, depending on what sport they're going in the transfer portal with. And then they realize that they, one, go to a worse situation, or two, there's a lot of people no one talks about the a lot that end up in no situation. Their playing days are over because nobody picked them up. So no one talks about that but there are a lot of athletes that hit the transfer portal and never play again because no one picks them up because all of a sudden now you're in a situation where everybody's in and they're going to pick who they think it's all comes down to who, you know, what, you know, like they're going to pick whoever they think they know. They're not going to. Yeah. So the grass isn't always green on the other side. It's greener where you water it. And I appreciate you sharing that. Now, Kamala, when you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you had a dream to get to the NFL and that's what, you know, you stayed at Boise state, you embrace the suck. You wanted to be the first one to be able to make it to the NFL. When that possibility became a reality and you found yourself in the NFL before training camps and and mini camps or anything of that nature, when your name was called and you realized you were going, talk to us about, I want to, I want to understand from your perspective, the day that it happened that you found out you were going to be playing uh, in the NFL.
1: Jeez. Crazy. It was absolute dream come true in like a matter of hours, right? The countdown, the, the time and the clock ticking, just like everything. It's like, dude, my life is absolutely about to change forever. It'll never be the same. You know, a kid from Hawaii who, who didn't grow up the most wealthiest had struggles. I'm not going to sit there and have a pity party. I just I didn't have the best upbringing, dude. That wasn't an excuse and I think with that was like, that was the reward of a lifetime because I knew my situation had changed. My family situation has changed. My last name changed, right? It's not only representing me, but my people back home that that name has meaning, it has significance. And that day was just like, you know, I didn't go to the draft. I had a little, a small little party at my brother's house and his wife, you know, my brother, Kyle and Shannon, shout out to you guys. They opened their house for a few of, you know, our families, you know, our cousins, You know, a few of my high school friends and buddies, um, you know, it wasn't anything big. It was the people that's been around me um, who embraced the suck with me through the high school and the college days, through my ups and downs. And it was just a very special moment to not only look back and see myself on the screen, but it, it was a chance for me to to set the tone for my nieces and nephews because like i said right it's like i have i have four older brothers and i'm the youngest so i i was kind of like that bridge gap between their kids and like them you know i was always the cool uncle yeah you know bro i was always the one giving them candies and you know taking them out to movies and doing like weird stuff you know and i feel like that was an opportunity for me to like set the tone for them besides their parents and i look back at them at such a young age and and i see them now and where they're at you know i got nieces and nephews embarking on in college getting scholarships for football i have a nephew that's going to unlv playing the same position as me who tells me outright like i aspire to be like you uncle right and like setting that tone it's like now he has an opportunity and I feel like that day was like so monumental for not only me but for our family because it 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 just set the tone on so many levels right like the standards the standard right I have a lot of successful nieces and nephews love all of them they're on their way to really great things they're great kids I don't just say that because they're my nieces and nephews. I say that because the standard is a standard and they know the standard. And for me to have said it in that kind of way is just, it's super cool to look back. I don't sit back and take credit. I just sit back and observe and I see it all unfolding. And I think like, that's the dopest part about it,
0: you know? Yeah, dude. That's so dope, man. Super cool. I can imagine I'm like picturing it in your shoes, you know, like you, you literally said it like your name, your last name, it kind of like changed the whole like family trajectory. You set the example, you were the example there. And that was, that was massive. You know, now though, as you go into the NFL, I'm sure there's like a high point where like, okay, it's time to go, but then the work starts. Right. And I'm curious the transition from, you know, the high point of being drafted or just being called depending on whoever situation is what. You know, there's a free agent or whatever, but you report to camp and now the work begins and then there's the business component to it. But like, I guess my question for you, Kamala, would be what was the biggest transition going from the collegiate game and and going from the excitement of, of getting your name called and you're ready to go to actually doing the job? What was the biggest transition for you? What was the hardest transition, I should say?
1: Man, there were many transition but if i could like pinpoint one on like sets the tone it kind of trickles down from there is humility i came in right i was drafted pretty high second round pick came out of boise state great career right i'm i'm just riding this high dude and i get to baltimore and i get around a bunch of hall of famers man Terrell Suggs, CJ Mosley, Marshall Yonda, Joe Flacco, Eric Weddle, Elvis Dumerville. I mean, the list goes on, bro. Bro, I got, I mean, superstars around me, bro. First day in the building. I don't even know how to act, right? I, I, I don't, dude. I'm like a little paranoid kid, bro. I was 22 years old, right? And... I walk in, I'm like, second round pick, man, you know? I'm not, like, verbally saying that, but in my head, I'm like, I can run with these dudes. Yeah. And it's, like, such the wrong approach. Like, so reversed, you know? Like, Like, now looking back, it's like, why didn't I have the humility to just, like, Sit there and soak everything in instead of be like, I can run with these guys. I know what I'm doing. I know how to recover. What do you mean, cover three? Yeah, of course I know how to run cover three. Like, no, dude, like, bro, the dynamics in the NFL are just so different. That's like all you do every day. Every moment is football. Right. Like you look in college, you got your social life, you got football, you got school, right. You got after school activities, right. You got programs and right? in the NFL. You got family and football. There's nothing else. Right. And it's like the level of professionalism is at an all time high. So the way you ran cover three in college is not the same way we're running cover three in the league, bro. Route concepts are different. Offensive attacks are different. Smokes and mirrors, bro. Everything's different, man. And it's like I just wish I had the humility to sit back and just be a fly on the wall, shut up, and just learn. And just not think I had it all figured out. And and it's so crazy because my first game, I actually my first NFL game, period. I've never been to an NFL game in my life before this one. My first NFL game was playing in a preseason game, Detroit Lions at M&T Bank with the Ravens. First NFL game period. And I tell you, dude, I got blessed, man. I got humbled. I got put in a coffin how many times that game, dude? And it's like, I just wish I had more humility because it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what round you get picked. It matters what you do when you get in that building. I've seen guys who were late round free agent picks that end up playing 12 to 15 year careers and excelling awesome career. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so, yeah. Just pure humility, man.
0: Man, it's so interesting hearing this because you would never know. Like, I would never know. I was just following your career. I would have just assumed everything was chill. My understanding, I mean, I, th- I felt like you adapted pretty quickly. Like, I mean, I'm just sitting over here. I wasn't in the day-to-day of anything. And so it's really cool for me to hear it from you and just kind of seeing what it was like. And I didn't even put two and two together of, like, all the names you just listed. I can't even imagine. Like all of a sudden now you're working with these dudes. These are like coworkers of yours. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. These are the dudes I was watching on TV. I was playing with on Madden. Holy cow. Like, that's wild, man. That's a pretty cool. Like, not many people get that opportunity. Um, so for you, you know, you're talking about coverages and whatnot. I've I've had a, a friend of mine who went to a rookie mini camp. He went to Idaho State back in the day played safety. And then he got invited to a chargers mini camp back when they were in San Diego back in the day. And that's all that his, I mean, he played overseas in like Italy in the small town, like professional football league, if you want to call it that. But he told me about his rookie mini camp and he said, dude, he goes, I thought I could hang with these guys. He's like, I'm playing safety. We've got linemen that are six foot five, 300 plus pounds running faster than I can run. He goes, I, I remember them polling. And these are also dudes that are not like on the roster either these are dudes fighting to try to get a name put a name out because these dudes are pulling and coming around the line on certain you know run schemes and he goes they should not be running that fast like he's like i could not figure out the speed of the gals like this is ridiculous and he knew he said i, I just knew like that i wasn't going to be able to make it but um did you notice like from either the play calling like sorry not the play calling but the playbook like coverage schemes the speed of the game was it Was it a pretty hard transition for you? Or were you, since you were just like a natural talent of the game, like, did you pick it up pretty quickly in that regard? I know you said, you you know, you got humbled in the first game. But, like, I I mean, it seemed like you were getting, especially with Tennessee, I don't know, like, but did you feel like you picked it up pretty fast with the speed of the game and and whatnot?
1: I would say from a physical standpoint, it wasn't that much difference. Obviously, like, you have to compete, right? You got to lift, run right like you go to you know like a pre-combine training you meet guys you kind of see where they're at right you can kind of compare see like oh I'm pretty strong too that's who I'm going to be going up against knowing he's a top 10 pick you know what I mean and it's like I can do that too all right bet so like you started to grow like this confidence right but like there's the game within the game and I'm sure every athlete knows that right like don't be a statue Man, like be an athlete, you know, like, hey, I know coach told you to stand here, but if there's no one there, it's like, why are you going to stand there? Go guard someone if he's not in there. Right. And it's kind of just that game within the game mentality of like there's guys that have been in the league who are still playing in the preseason and they're a 10 year veteran, but they're still trying to make a team but they know more than this rookie coming in who thinks he's running cover three the right way and he's going to hit you with a double move and get a tutty. Right. And, and, and it's kind of just like, well, I got got, but, but what are you going to do from that? Like, are you going to respond? You're going to learn, you're going to grow, right? You're going to keep attacking or you're going to quit. And I think it just ultimately comes down to mindset of like, Win more than you lose, like, you know, that's a big phrase in the NFL, right? It's like, bro, we're all going to get got. Everyone's good. Everyone's fast. Everyone's strong. Everyone scores, right? I mean, you see guys week in and week out getting beat, getting torched. They're $100 million guys. Obviously, they're human being. They're going to get beat. But when they make impressive plays, you can see them playing the game within the game. You can see them baiting that that cue and he's turning the shoulder and last second he whips and he's like, ah, gotcha, knew it. Right. And it's kind of just that game within the game mentality that I didn't have when I first came in and kind of like incorporated that over time. It's like, okay, Hey, if I'm showing a simulated pressure on the right and I know I'm not coming, I'm going to make sure I sell it. So my guy on the left who is coming, which is probably the nickel away from me who ain't showing pressure is now free because now they're sliding the line to me. And now he's he's a free runner, right? And, like, those are the things that coaches would harp on. It was, like, play the game within the game, man. Like, don't be a statue. Like, be an athlete, man. Like, help your teammate out. Like, not only how do you get home, but how do they get home, right? Like, another big phrase is, like, bro, you got to sacrifice your body to glorify your soul sometimes, dude. Like, you're not always going to be the one getting the glory or getting the stat. But are you willing to stick in that A-gap and wrong arm that center so that linebacker that's scraping across from you can run free and have a one-on-one with the back and get a sack? Are you willing to do that? Because if you're not, they'll find another free agent just like you who is willing. And you're going to be replaced in a matter of seconds. So you better figure it out. And if you don't, guess what, bud? You're on the Greyhound. See ya. And that was just kind of Play the game within the game, man. Like be an athlete, like be who you always were. Like don't lose confidence. And man, I get pa- I get super passionate about this because like I just lost my confidence when I first started playing too. I was just like, I forgot who I was. I forgot about my abilities. Like I can wrong arm, I can double swipe, I can get home, I can do these things. And it's like, I was always second guessing myself. I was late. I was hesitant. I didn't pull the trigger. I wasn't playing the game within the game. I wasn't being who I was at Boise State. And I think that was a big hindrance to me when I first got in as well. It's like, I just kind of like froze. I was like, dude, like, be an athlete. You see the guy with the ball, go tackle him. Don't sit there and think they're running a reverse every time. They're not. The ball's going that way, so go,
0: (laughs) go get him. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of, yeah, just a little insight on that. No, I appreciate that, man. And that's a good reminder for a lot of athletes. I just play the game within the game, be an athlete, don't be a statue. I, I love that. That's super insightful. And it's just interesting because even guys like yourself, you know, high high caliber, elite athlete, even guys like yourself can lose a little bit of confidence sometimes and you have to find a way to get that back. And that's, that's huge. And I would I would share that with the high school athletes that are listening to this. And if you're a parent or a coach listening to this, uh, take that, like r- remind your athletes to do that. I mean, it's, it's easier said than done. I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, that's what separates people, but man, it, oh, this is, it's just so insightful having you on here. I'm just thinking of all these, all these things you're saying is it's, um, such good Intel to what it's like to be an athlete at that, at that level from a spiritual perspective to, a business perspective, to the confidence and mental health perspective, just like everything that goes into it and the struggles, the the, the good things and everything. I love it. Um, as, we, as we're as we getting close to the end here, I, w- I still want to talk about your business side, but I want to ask in, in the NFL, you had you had alluded to it earlier, like once the trades happen and life was getting really tough and you had to take some personal breaks, you know, there's some things there that probably, um, I don't know if it cut it short or if that was kind of what you wanted to do or anything, but... If you look back on your NFL career, what would you w- would you would you consider it um a job well done? Kamale, would you would you say hey, like I did what I set out to do. I I played at a high level um and although, you know, everybody kind of wants to play for a long time, I don't know what your goals were. Maybe you could share that, but um you were there for a while. I mean, more than some <laughs> more than a lot actually. So, and you got to play a while. So, and you got in the games and you you got on the the stat sheets and you did your thing. Um, you were on Madden. Like, so I guess you're on a video game. I mean, that's pretty dope. So I don't know. If you look back at your NFL career, would you say, Hey, you know what? I did what I set out to do.
1: From a personal standpoint, no, because I've always been the hardest critic on myself. Like, and I think that's just how I was raised. Um, that's just the mindset I've always had. Like I've always had a mindset of never being content, never like like n- nothing's enough. Like it even came down to like how I clean the kitchen. Like, okay, well, well, did I just wash the dishes or did I wash the dishes, wipe the counters, wipe the stove? Did I clean everything off? Did I sweep? Right? Did I put everything away as a dishwasher on right? Like. How you do anything is how you do everything, bro. And, like, I've always had an expectation. Obviously, I I wanted to make Pro Bowls and be an All-Pro, be a consistent starter, sign a mega contract, right? All all these things that I, I never got to do. But from the things that I was able to do, like, yeah, I, obviously, I was super blessed, super fortunate, man, super grateful from like a very vague standpoint, but from a personal standpoint, like. So if your mindset is just to make it. Like you're never going to make it in anything you do in life. Like whatever it is, if your mindset is to be a podcaster and you just like make a podcast in one episode, like no one's going to watch it, like no one's going to see what you got going on. They're not going to see the consistency of it, right? Like all these things, like I've always had that mindset of like, it's never enough. And that was probably my worst quality, but my best quality. Because I didn't need other people to keep me accountable. I kept myself accountable. I always knew what I had to do. Like, yeah, I would party hard, but I would study hard. I would work hard. I would sleep hard. I would recover hard. I'll do everything else hard too. And like you kind of seen those results, right? And I think, I think, yeah, from a personal standpoint, no, I definitely left a lot out there. And it's a little gut-wrenching to say, but that's just the outright truth. I definitely had more in the tank. I had more to give. From a spiritual standpoint, it's, that's just, not where I was headed. And I think for me accepting that was where I actually started finding peace. And a big quote with me that still sticks with me is actually from a song from J. Cole. It's called Love Yours, right? And he had mentions about he says, the good news is you came a long way. Then he goes on to say says, the bad news is it went the wrong way. And that just like really, really stood out to me, man. It really hit home for me. Cause like I was chasing the money. I was chasing the fame. I was chasing the glory. I was chasing the look at me. I was chasing the, I got it all figured out. But in reality I didn't, I was a broken kid that was chasing monetary and earthly things that had nothing figured out. And I was living in complete insecurities. I was living in a place of vulnerability that I was trying to mask and hide for so many years because I had this persona and I had this like Superman cape over me that I was the guy. And I always had to be that guy for everyone else. Right. It's like, oh, that's Kamala. That's a superstar. That's The Rock. Right. Like, oh, that's NFL player. Right. Like, when he comes into the gym, it's like, oh, dude, that's Kamala. Like, dude, it's like, I hated when people did that to me because it broke my heart. Because in my mind, I was like, dude, I'm a broken dude that just wants to be around people that genuinely love and care about him. That is it. That was what I was after. And now that I'm actually in this phase of my life where I'm not making this extravagant amount of money anymore. I'm I'm not a Superman that plays on Sundays. I'm I'm not this extraordinary star anymore. I'm a human, bro. I'm a business owner. I'm a barber. And I get to see the genuine and authenticity that people view me at. And I can meet people at where they're at from a humane standpoint you know so i think for me leaving the game there's obviously pros and cons but it made me who i am man i wouldn't change it for the world i have so much more appreciation for being a dad right i was in the nfl i was never home bro i was losing out on so much time with my daughter Missing family reunions, missing birthdays, missing parties, missing, missing everything for the sacrificing of a team. Yeah. But I had a team away and I had a team at home. And I was failing my team at home. Right. And I think like hindsight's 2020, but I'm super blessed to be where I'm at from a mental standpoint and a spiritual standpoint now and not just you know a physical superhero that everyone sees i I want people to see my heart and my mind and hopefully impact and change lives with that
0: heck yeah man you know it's cool one thing that keeps coming to my mind Kamala, is when you're talking and you know just learning about your faith and your belief in christ and so forth and just the journey you've been on the good the bad everything you know i always say the lord's playing chess not checkers he doesn't He's not reactionary he's doing things he's moving his his children many steps in advance and and we can't see it all the time and that's just something i fully believe in i've gone through my struggles in life too going through a divorce when i was young and and stuff you know prior to meeting my my now wife and stuff and there's you know people go through ups and downs but as i look back and reflect i'm like man at the time i was in a very dark spot like very dark for a good three years um but he pulled me out of it but now i realize why he was doing certain things and why i had to experience certain things why i had to experience pain and struggle and why i had to make those choices and And i think you know here in your story i think it's similar you know it, it might not have been what you wanted but it's what you needed because now you're, you're you're finding your peace and you're doing your thing and and it's exactly what you just shared and i think he was playing chess man um sure. And it's, that's so cool, man. And then at one day, one day, you know, we'll all go through our struggle still to this day. Like we're going to keep going through life and what it is, but one day, you know, the Lord will be able to say checkmate and we'll be able to see him. So can't Amen. wait till the game's over, you know? So Amen. as you, as we wrap it up, Kamala, as you, uh, you know, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, you're a barber, you're a business owner. And I wanted to highlight that because that's how I came in contact with you is I saw that post. I'm like, Whoa, let's go dude. So, uh, talk to us now that we're in the business side of things, um, the business phase of your life, and you're getting into that aspect. How are we tackling that? Uh, no pun intended, but sort of. How are we <laughs> tackling the business side of things? And uh, what what is this all about? What's the the salon about? And tell us where it's at, and and how we can take advantage of the services that you're providing. I want to hear all about the barber stuff, dude.
1: Absolutely, man. It's it's been a crazy journey, like you said for yourself, man. It's been about three years. I was in a dark place. I didn't. I didn't know what I was gonna do. I had no plan B. I didn't have a college degree. I left school early as a junior. Um, Just no plan, man. I was living off my financial liquid. You know, I made some good money. I invested well. So, you know, I'm not struggling financially by any means. Super, super blessed in that regard, you know, from the Lord up above. But my mindset, dude, I can't just like sit still and just live off that. Like I was like, what am I going to do? But at the same time, it's like, how am I going to cultivate something where I'll still have time with my daughter? Right. That's a big thing in my life. I didn't want to go back to working a nine to five or doing something where it's like I can't see her and I'm away from her again. So, you know, that was kind of the whole thing, how I kind of fell into that. I was. uh So every Friday when I played, I also would get a haircut. Okay, so a little bit about my Friday routine. Well, so it's called Fast Fridays in the NFL, right? So a lot of guys would get out about one, two o'clock, which is a couple hours sooner than a like an average day So get out a little early. Right. So you got time to go home with your family. If we travel on Saturdays, you know, it gives you, you know, just a little extra time. If you want to go on a date night with the wife, you know, you do certain things my Fridays, I would always try to get home, spend some time with my girls. I would always have my massage therapist come to my house and my barber, every Friday, never miss. And then I would eat dinner with the girls and we'd put them down, I would spend some time with my wife. Like that was a typical Friday for me, home body, pretty chill, hanging out, low key. I, I got my hair cut every week and then my whole thing stop happened. And I was like, dude, I just love being around a barber, love cutting my hair. And I. I like actually got into a weird place where I thought the Lord was calling me into a, a place of. Like not pastoring and not evangelism, but sharing almost like a coach right but i was like i don't i don't really want to coach because coaching just takes up so much of your time so i was like how can i still bless these kids in a different way i was like dude barber love cutting hair love sharing with the kids just just conversating you know not from like why aren't you in the a gap yeah why aren't you running cover three i told you to blitz Instead, he can be at a calm peace of mind, sitting down in my chair and, like, genuinely giving me what's really on his mind and heart. And I feel like I can impact these kids and these these youth and people in general of just having a conversation with them and, like, sharing my testimony. And, like, hopefully that puts insight and life into them because I – I believe I'm the only ex-professional athlete in any sport to be in the hair and beauty industry as a whole. So that's kind of where, like, the whole novelty piece, like, really came into play. So my shop is called Novelty Salon. Um, We are located on Overland in between Orchard and Vista. Uh, The address is 3925 West Overland Road. Um, We should be operating... Here about the middle of February, we're still fine-tuning some, you know, some last-minute contract and stuff, but having a a shop like this really allows me to cultivate, one, an environment for workers, to kind of teach them and, like, teach them the qualities of what it takes to be around high-level people in general. GMs, owners, head coaches, assistant coaches. I mean, you talk about extremists, dude. Perfection, time management, routine, right? And I feel like in this barber industry as a whole, there's such a lag there. There's such a a misinterpretation how some people view us. It's like, oh, you're a barber? Oh, lazy, do drugs. You're probably a convict. You're this, that, and the third right and that's just like a natural stigma around people right big guy tattoos probably went to jail this right it's it's a whole stigma and i think for me it just really allows me to to shape shift and change the narrative as a whole in barbering of like bringing what i've learned of making it to the nfl taking the positive things and applying that to barbering right like it's work You show up on time you're in a professional environment you provide a high class service but you also cultivate and help those people that's around you which is my new quote-unquote teammates right my barbers my clients and we share a break room which is now our quote-unquote locker room where we share we talk about family we talk about real life issues you know whether they're going through stuff and i think a big thing that i'm genuinely most most excited about is one sharing with the community and doing events helping people out not only that is helping people grow in their journey right like it's kind of being an owner and a leader quote unquote the ceo is the best quality in a leader is to serve people and i truly truly believe that because no one wants to be around in a hole who talks down on people and all that stuff. Like we've all been around that and it's not cool. And I feel like the best quality in a leader is to serve people. And for me is to provide a platform and an opportunity for those who are looking to work with me and to not only help them advance their career in barbering, but advance their lives, right? To kind of share what we talked about earlier as far as my testimony, the hardships I've been through And it's like to kind of steer them in the right direction if they don't have direction, right? Or if they're a little younger, right? To kind of like shape shift and kind of be a big brother or just a friend or someone they can rely on and and like bring their problems to and be like, dude, okay, this is the problem. This is how we solve it. You got to trust me. This is where we get from point A to point B, bro. You want to be better? Okay, these are the steps we got to take, bro. And there's going to be things I'm going to learn, right? It's it's not always going to be the right answer or be the right thing. But as far as that conviction of just like seeing people progress, and like not have them get to low points in their life that I've been through. And just like, like sitting back and navigating and just being a little part of their success. And like, Helping them buy a house if they need a realtor, right? Like helping them get a car. Like, bro, how do we put a down payment on something? How do we do our taxes? Like, bro, do you have a CPA? Hey, bro, do like, dude, I need a lawyer. Like I have all these connections here in the Valley that I've cultivated and grown throughout my time. That's like, all I can do is use it as a resource, to be a platform for those people because you know in barbering I'm telling you, man being in this industry has changed my life it genuinely changed my life like one year ago today January 16 of 2023 was when I actually went to barber school it was a 9 month process right and within that 9 months I was able to see people from all walks of life Like, dude, I seen I seen one person that would work two side jobs, had two kids just to support those kids and still be on FAFSA to try to be a barber because that's what they genuinely wanted to do. Meanwhile, I didn't have to work. I had financial backing that didn't need to do this. All I had to do was go to school. Right. So kind of seeing that kind of perspective and like really putting me in check really made me have more appreciation for this trade like there's people out here trying to get it man and like if i can just be a small piece of their success to like pushing them in the right direction helping them helping them buy rings for their wives man be good dads be helpers in the community you know like if that's what i'm most excited about this shop like not only producing fire cuts and blessing dudes but seeing people grow and cultivate and create a team and just watch that success unfold is what i'm really most looking forward to for sure
0: yes sir dude man i'll tell y'all if, if you guys are living in the boise area anywhere in the treasure valley when i say boise area that's all surrounding areas of boise right we're talking meridian nampa eagle caldwell you can call it boise whatever garden city everywhere um, it's not it's it's within 20 minutes away of where his shop is gonna be. So I'm gonna put the the address in the description of the podcast, and I'll also be tagging the salon here in the podcast. And um, I'm just I'm a big fan of like barbers, like the barber shop that I go to, my barber's name's Trevor Hill. And and I'll I'll say this, man. It's it's so true. People will just say, Oh, you're just going to get a haircut. It's so much more in a haircut, dude. Even just yesterday I went and got a cut. And in the barber shop, once you like build a personal relationship with your barber. It's actually pretty dope. We were literally talking about the networks. Like he was a former Marine. So he's got a story. Like you have so many connections. And if you can build that and you can, he literally was helping me. He's like, hey, I got a guest for your podcast. And then some random dude who was getting his haircut was like, hey, I'm actually going to Vegas this weekend with a former NFL lineman. Would you uh, want to? He, he didn't even know me. He goes, but I heard Trevor talking about your podcast. You want to have it. things happen that are pretty crazy inside of a barbershop. So I just think that you're going to bring so much to the community. And so I know it sounds kind of weird and like fanboyish, but like I literally believe that a barbershop has so much impact on the community of everything you just say in there. Like you can totally bless people, not only with a haircut, right? Because that makes people feel good. You can have those conversations and you can talk to the people and cultivate an awesome team and an awesome community. I'm looking forward to it, man. That's freaking dope. Freaking dope, dude. So. Sorry, yeah, you're welcome, man. I, I, as, as we wrap it up, I just want to say thank you, man. I, I really appreciated this time um, having you on here and sharing your insight with us. And I look forward to chatting with you in the future and, you know, hopefully visiting the salon and, and checking it all out when it's it's ready to rock and roll next month. Hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, like you said, that it'll be ready to rock and roll in, in February. And that'll be when this episode launches anyway. So hopefully by that time, it's either up and running or close to it. So, uh, But yeah, man, I just want to say thank you for, for joining the show, brother.
1: I uh, I really appreciate you having me, man. Like, I really do. I don't I don't talk to a lot of people. I'm not out there on all these platforms. Um, If you guys don't believe me, you guys can go on Google and check for yourself. I don't do a lot of interviews. I don't talk to a lot of people. Um, So I appreciate you for allowing me to step out of my comfort zone a little bit and uh, to share with those because I think I lose sight of I'm always go, 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 what's next, what's next, got to keep going, got to keep going, that I don't sit back sometimes and see those other high school boys that maybe need a little more impact or a little more push in their life or a little more insight. So, man, I hope I can shed light on anybody going through stuff um, in the sports realm and uh, keep God first. Without that, bro, you are not going to reap any fruit in your life and i can say that with 100% truth um so i just hope everyone listening to this can keep them first keep them centered and with that matthew 633 right seek first sing seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all else will be established unto you and that's like uh you know staple verse just have it written on your heart, man. Seek his kingdom. Seek him first. Whatever it is you're doing, sports, podcasts, life, people, relationships, marriage, does not matter, bro. You you will reap fruit if if you do that. So I appreciate you having me, brother.
0: Absolutely. What a, what a way to end it. For those who are listening, hey, just like I said before, consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you can. Um, and make sure to hit that subscribe button because we'll be coming to you next week